Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. I hope everyone had a safe and enjoyable 4th of July holiday. It's sort of like, it's on a Tuesday, so you, you may have had an extended break to enjoy the festivities. Maybe not. Um, we did. We took the early part of the week off, uh, at least from podcasting duties. And so we're coming at you now at the conclusion of the Brewers series, which took place uh, obviously mon- uh, Monday through Thursday of this week. And uh, it went, you know, the outcome two wins, two losses. The outcome was like sort of the perfectly homogenous, expected, not helpful in deciding things outcome. And yet how they actually got to the two wins and two losses uh, was a pretty wild circus of a series that any of the four games could have easily gone in the other direction. And so, by the way, if if you don't feel any heat radiating off of me here at the top in terms of the Cubs not having one, three of four or like losing that first one after a six run lead. Um, most of that is because like the two that they won, it's like, boy, that would have been really easy to lose those. ones. Those were like miraculous. <laughs> so it's hard for me to be too fired up that they, you know, quote, blew yesterday's game or even uh, Monday's loss that they sort of almost came back in. So anyway, that's that's the the 10,000 foot view of this series. But obviously there's some specifics to get into. And as always, it's just you have to have the bigger picture conversation like every series that goes by necessarily bleeds into the looming trade deadline and the decisions the Cubs are going to have to make and only one more series left before the all-star break and the draft after which it's really going to become a focus of, of teams really starting to make moves. So that's, that's your baseline. That's your setup. So let's talk about that Brewers series. Yeah. I mean, I think this Brewers series tells us, uh, I think what what we kind of already knew that this division isn't that terrifying. The people, the teams ahead of the Cubs aren't some big bad terrifying organizations that can just knock them around and they have no chance to compete with. I also think, just in general, this Cubs season is kind of a fascinating debate about baseball, the the process that front offices go through, uh, that managers go through, and 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 it's. Like, I really think it's one of these seasons so far that there's going to be this wide divide and and variance in how people look at this team and what they think of this team. The record is not good enough. There's that's always going to be the default. But I think if you really look at things um, there, there I'll say this there. There are a lot of people responding like this team isn't close sell. They have to sell They're, They're years away. Things like that, that. I just strongly disagree with. Uh, I don't think they're that far off. I think I think Jed Hoyer kind of knows what this team is and and kind of built a team that is playing out kind of, you know, on the negative side of what he expected. Uh, there are there are certain things that just happen where I I am just like baffled by it and it and you can you can take certain instances and be like, oh, my God, what is wrong with this team? But for the most part, I think they're around, a, you know, I think they're a better team than their record. 
and I think they can compete in this division. The biggest problem right now are the Reds are red hot. I, I said it months ago, right? We've, we've said it before. Sometimes all you need in a season is like one insane stretch, and that can be enough. Uh, I believe they're 21-6 and six, uh, in their last 27 that the Reds are, and that's that type of insane stretch I was talking about. Now, that doesn't mean that their pitching won't catch up to them or anything like that, but... They're likely going to be a better team post deadline if they're like they have a deep enough system to go and get some pitching if they really want to. Uh, it's going to be tough for the Cubs to make this relevant. I think. Uh, I think listening to Jed Hoyer, I think we we were probably a little too aggressive by saying this week defines what he's going to do uh, because I think he wants to be really patient and he knows what's coming after the break. Uh, that doesn't mean that they'll get back in it. I, I do believe this team is better than their record. Doesn't matter, though. You, you We can go rewrite history all we want. Uh, what happened, happened. And, and that's, you know, and d- we could dwell on it if we want to and relive it. Uh, I'll, I'll never get past that that D.C. and Miami trip. I'm going to mention it every podcast because that's that's the that changes everything that changes everything and it did change everything and i think that's going to be what we look back on on august 1st after they trade guys i I don't think it'll be a like a dramatic sell like 21 but i do think it's gonna be really hard to avoid it well it's gonna feel pretty dramatic if they trade the best pitcher in the national league uh on august 1st and what they're not trading (laughs) justin Uh, there there you go that's true that's true (laughs) (laughs) ha I have been served. <laughs> How sad is it, by the way, that the Cubs arguably have the two best pitchers in the National League, and this is the conversation we're having? Yeah, I go, I go back and forth there, and I think uh, we can get into this more. Of like, I listen to, you know, we don't quit, we have the fight, you know, and I, I think there's certainly something to that, but it also kind of sounds like loser talk too, of just like, hey, you know. You guys get paid millions of dollars. Like, you should probably try hard at least just to audition for your next employer. And, like, I do think this team is more professional and capable than the one that was rolled out uh, last year. I do think the Cubs feel like they're uh, kind of at the start of something uh, versus the end of something, which was clearly the vibes in 2021. It's just, I don't know. It's like the the Reds have just produced this massive wave of young position player talent that like if you've been following Cubs coverage for a while you'd think wow the Cubs are like on the verge of something like that right and player developments sort of come up not totally empty this season but it's it's been lacking you know it's been hasn't been as impressive as you would have thought and you know the Brewers over the years have done more with less where the Cubs have done less with more. And I think right now, you know, we can kind of roll our eyes at the Brewers, but like they're six over 500 and the Cubs are six under. And I'm not sure the answer exactly why, but like those two teams in front of them have things that you thought the Cubs could have put on the table this year, whether it was like that you know, strong group of talent emerging saying, oh, wow, like they're onto something the way the Cubs were in 2015. Or the Cubs are going to win this year. It was going to be with like sort of, you know, pitching defense, doing the little things, you know, ringing more uh, out of the roster. And the Brewers of Craig Council era do that over and over. And the Cubs of recent vintage simply do not. And 
I'm trying to keep an open mind. I know the front office is keeping an open mind. Um, it's just, I think they will wait to the last minute. But it's just, it's just hard to take this team like seriously. And that doesn't mean I'm writing them off. I could be, you know, we could all be surprised uh, in the end. There's a lot going right for this team. But even with all those things going right, they're still, you know, where they are. I think what a lot of this is running up against too is that. Uh, I think we have been right all along that the front office was always looking for a reason not to sell, a reason to buy. Like they, they've been, I think they, that's part of why they're holding out. That's why it's like, even as we say this week is critical, maybe behind closed doors, they say, not really. You know, it's like, we need to see where it is on literally July 28, 29, 30, but whatever, before making a decision. And I think that the, um, I don't know if it's a problem there, but what's what's hard for me to get on board uh, or no, let me let me completely rephrase that. Tim, you don't you don't have to edit this out. You can just let people uh, swim in my, uh, you know, uh, completely changing mystery in my sense. But what I mean is I'm thinking about something that happened uh, this week. Very small transaction in the Cubs organization, uh, but it kind of put a lot of things in perspective for me. And that was the Cubs released. Bryce Ball, who was a first base prospect, lower levels, who topped out at double A, couldn't, you know, he's this big hulking first base prospect, couldn't couldn't quite actualize his power at double A and flamed out. And now he's out of the organization. Why am I bringing him up now? Well, he was the prospect that the Cubs acquired for Jock Peterson at the uh, 2021 deadline early, a couple weeks before the deadline. And at the time of that trade, that was a nice return for Jock Peterson, who was, he wasn't having a great start to the season. Uh, Bryce Ball was still considered a top 15-ish prospect in a decent Braves system. The warts were known. You know, he wasn't a sure thing, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, as you're evaluating that trade the day it was made, it was a decent return. It's a good, 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 solid return. And yet, this is a prospect who couldn't get past AA. And what that reminds me in the context of this year is that the value of those marginal sell trades. I'm not talking about Javi Baez. I'm not talking about Rizzo and Bryant that were like sort of big star names that you knew the, the Cubs were going to trade and that they had to really get back big pieces for. Um, the other players that you can sell off that are going to get you sort of organizational lottery tickets, I don't know that the Cubs have a ton of interest in those guys right now. The farm system is a lot deeper than it was back then in terms of those sort of like Legit, but questionable prospects. They have tons of them. They have tons, tons, tons of them. And you also have organizational roster limits now. You can only, literally only have so many in your organization. And so I think about those things in the context of this year's team. And I suppose it against that backdrop, it becomes easier to sell me on the idea of, you know what, just wait. Just wait till very close to the deadline to make a decision. Because, you know... Yeah, maybe you could trade Michael Fulmer because he bounces back and he's pitching well and he gave up the home run to Victor Caratini, but that was actually the first bad thing that has happened with him on the mound in over a month. He's been on fire. Okay, yeah, so maybe you could trade him, but really, are you going to get something that's going to transform the farm system? Probably not. And because you already have the depth right now built up, I don't think you need to just trade for depth and lottery tickets. I don't know that that's what the Cubs need to be doing. And so that's the way you could sell me on the idea of like, let's just wait, 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 wait as long as possible. Because if you start talking about things like maybe the Reds will fall off in the second half, maybe the Cubs sort of 
underlying performance will show up in their results on the field. I don't know. Maybe, but I, I wouldn't bet my entire trade deadline strategy on it. And so um, that's kind of where I am. And that's also why I did view this week as as more critical, because I think if the Cubs had won three or four from the Brewers, or if they had done better against the Guardians, or if they do well against the Yankees, I, I think it would have just been a lot easier to flip over into that zone where it's either we're holding or we're buying. You know, selling is off table, we're holding or we're buying. And I, I that didn't happen. Right, so... So it's we they remain in this gray area, right? Exactly. Like they, nothing, they, nothing they has been two decided and two against the Brewers. It's and like I, a perfect yeah. encapsulation, <laughs> right? Uh, and and I I agree with you. The problem is, as far as the trade deadline and who you sell, who you keep, um, Stroman and Bellinger are the two obvious guys that you move, and they could be highly valuable, especially. If Bell, if what we saw yesterday from Bellinger is the start of a hot stretch, if he's going to swing like that, which is really unfortunate because that's exactly what the Cubs need right now, and I think that's the type of difference that they absolutely like. I I was watching some of these games and I'm like, you know what they could really use someone that when there are two men on could put it in the seats so like that that'd be really helpful because they don't have they that guy. They could have used it the month he was gone and then right. the month after he was gone when he was absolutely still getting back. There, there's some things that I just need to like, it, it, like the, this type of stuff is just so random and such so crazy about baseball. One and two run games. They're now so when I wrote the piece, it was eleven and twenty one. They played two games since, and they went one and one in those situations. So twelve and twenty two in in games where they've scored one, two, or three runs. Right? These aren't the type of games you expect to win. I'm not saying you have to win these games, but the way this team is built, they need to win those games. Right? 8 and 26. 8 and 26 when they score one, two, or three runs. Again, you're going to be like, you'd hope that this team, the way it was built, would be around 500 in those games. And then here's the killer, right? Here's the killer. Five and six runs, five and 11. They're five and oh, 11 when they score God, five are you and kidding six me? runs. So it's just oh, like, God. like, this is, it's just almost unbelievable at times how, how this team has played out. And Patrick, you, you had a stat. Something like they're nine and zero against the Pirates and the A's, and then um, had the uh, how they've outscored those teams, and then kind of the record against the rest of the league. I think that just accentuates how much there's like they shouldn't be whatever it would be like uh, fifteen games under five hundred, even because they, it would be like they've been outscored by like ten runs or thirteen runs. That should be like four games under the rest against the rest of the teams and then you're looking at a completely different team it's it's insane and look look people that want to say that Jed Hoyer is making excuses about the close games he said this he said this at the end of the season someone asked him about the one run wins and he said he's like yes that we have to be careful with looking at one run games Either way that it goes, those aren't like if they go in your favor, they go against you. He was saying this when they were going in the Cubs' favor. He's not making, he's not rewriting history. He's not changing his tune. He truly believes that when uh, when you do this, when, when you have an extreme in those close games, uh, an extreme record either way, that's not sustainable. It, it used to be. We have to dig into this. How is this a uh, Angels team from the er, you know from the turn of the century? How are they winning all these one run games? Oh, it's got to be Mike Sosha. It's got to be the bullpen. It's got to be this. The more like studies that have been done, the more the thing is like I think it's just randomness. Uh, I think it's like 
It's really hard. Yes, there are, there are certain – like, I'm not saying – that the Cubs deserve to win all those games or anything like that. It's just when they have these, when there are these extremes, it's just, there's a lot of things that just add up to not going your way. And I, I straight up asked Jed, I was like, okay, so if there's some, if if you're not winning in the margins, a lot of people would point to the manager, right? Jed had no interest in, in uh, pointing to David Ross about this issue. Uh, I, I understand there are little things you can pick apart, uh, I think that happens a lot in close games. You want to pick apart every decision. I think sometimes fans decide that they have the 100% answer when what they had was like a 51% choice and there was a 49% choice that probably had more information available. Um, The people that were so sure that Mark Leiter was the absolute right choice against uh, who's Jesse Winker on Monday – I mean, Mark Leiter's been showing signs that he's he's kind of struggling a little bit lately. And Jemai Jones hadn't had a at-bat since 2021. Like, I, do, you, do you want to face the uh, Jesse Winker, the veteran that may be struggling, or or Jemai Jones, who hasn't faced a major league pitcher in two years? I Like, I, I get that Anthony Kay doesn't have the track record this season of Mark Leiter, but also Mark Leiter isn't like this established reliever that you have to go to in this situation. I just think sometimes fans want to pick apart every single thing when something goes wrong and put it on Ross. I'm I, I'm not sure if Ross is a good manager. I just don't think he's as terrible as everyone assumes, and I don't think he's the difference in this season. I think there's a lot of weird crap that's happening, and I don't want to say it's unlucky. I just want to say baseball is a really weird sport sometimes, and and when these things don't go your way, uh, it can it can lead to a, one of those painful seasons. Which is why I like I'd really like to see them not be too crazy at the deadline. I think part of it is you kind of have to be with Bellinger and Stroman, but all like these smaller moves, like don't what's the point? Why why tear this team down right now? Um, in the end, losing Bellinger and, and Stroman may just be enough to, to push them into this zone of where they're just a bad team. Uh, but it, it just it, it's too bad. It, it's too bad because I think this team was interesting and they still have a chance to be, especially with what's coming up post uh, post All-Star break. But who who knows uh, what what actually happens and, and if they can actually squeak out some games and uh and 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 make it relevant uh the reds may another thing a lot of times people just assume a team like we go back and look at that 2015 team and assume they were a 97 win talent team they were probably like an 89 win talent team right but uh after the deadline so many teams in the nl central had punted that they just destroyed them in the second half and i think they're uh their last like eight games they didn't they go on an eight game winning streak to end the season and they played teams that had quit teams that didn't care were playing out the string like a lot of times like that's an inflated win total like so like it, it, i'm not sure my, my point is like second half teams look very different than first half teams sometimes and and if the cubs are going to be selling like i don't know if they're a 74 win team this season but post deadline they probably are right like, that's probably what they end up being and that's too bad and there's no doubt the Cubs are talking in all of these circles right here. I mean, they clearly want to convince themselves, like, yeah, let's do it. But, I mean, with Bellinger and Stroman, the Cubs are a bad team right now. I mean, there's just kind of, like, no way around that. And I think 
this is where the organization's true colors will show because you look at a franchise like the Giants and like they don't really tear it down. I mean, they held on to Carlos Rodon last year and there were lots of reasons for that and they held on to Jock Peterson, but like their philosophy is kind of to go for it. And there are teams like the Mets and Padres who are like so all in on this season that ownership's directive was to spend like crazy, you know, no, you know, at all costs trying to win a World Series this year. And that is clearly going to factor into whatever they decide to do at the deadline. The Cubs have shown that they don't really care about keeping up appearances. I mean, they do care about their public image and their their messaging and all that other stuff, but they've proven to be an organization that just, you know, sort of assumes fans are going to show up at Wrigley Field and they're going to, you know, defer to the long term and what makes sense to them in a very calculated way. And I'm sure they'd love nothing more than, you know, a nice series at Yankee Stadium and a a great homestand coming out of the All-Star break. And they'd be very happy to sit there on August 1st and explain why they held on to Bellinger and Stroman. I'm with you, Sada. I think that would be a great idea. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not advocating for them to sell and tear it down. I'm, you know, kind of tired of the prospect hype. We've talked about that on previous things. Like, the the market has changed. Um, I just think their actions will be extremely revealing of what they do on that August 1st because they have not been uh, a club uh, that likes to be in that middle area. They, they want a clear direction and uh they've always from ownership on down deferred to like this idea of a long cycle you know a kind of you know rolling window versus like you know going all in for the last two months of a season we'll see i want to make sure we don't forget to mention a couple down-to-earth sort of uh pragmatic things that affect these discussions that happen during this Brewers series. Uh, one being the injury to Nick Madrigal. Uh, really unfortunate. Really freaking unfortunate because obviously he had not only emerged as clearly the best defender at third base uh, for a team that we know relies heavily on infield defense, but also since his return from Iowa, it wasn't just that he was putting up good numbers. He looked like the version of Nick Madrigal that you hope to see. You know, he was hitting a lot of line drives. He was getting on base. Um, he was hitting for just a teeny bit of power, which was uh, welcome. Uh, and the fact that this has been dubbed a moderate strain of the hamstring that he tore two years ago, uh, that's bad. That's I think that's probably going to get underplayed in, in the discussions coming from the Cubs and from probably Madrigal himself. I think that's it's probably pretty bad news, and he's probably going to miss quite a while. And that may in the long term, not concern you that much because, hey, move, boom, golden window of opportunity for Christopher Morel to get that development time at third base that we know he needs. And now it's sort of like, well, they kind of have to do it, uh, but put a pin in that. Um, but if you want to win games right now, the best formulation was Nick Madrigal at third base. I don't I don't have any question about that in my mind because because Morel can play elsewhere. You can get his bat in the lineup, which is bad is fantastic and you want that in there. But his glove at third base is developing. That's my most um you know yeah, pleasant way of putting very, it. Very, very nicely. <laughs> yeah. It's a developing glove. I think he's got the talent I, to be solid so, uh, there, but it's developing. 
I, I asked around what what uh, what he needs to work on, and uh, let's just say the list is long. Like this isn't one thing that Christopher Morrell needs to get right at third base. Uh, he he has a lot of issues: footwork, his arm stroke, his thought process, his timing, uh, like pretty much everything that you need to do. He doesn't do it right yet. Now. Is he putting in the work? Absolutely. Is he the type of person that um, is like, you know, tell me what to do. Give me all the instruction. Absolutely. It's really hard, though. And it, he's he and it's not because I mean, it's it's interesting because he grew like he came up through the system as an infielder. He just never you know, I I'm not sure why it never really clicked before. But it's gotten – I'm not sure if it's gotten progressively worse or they, they – because they had to move him around to fit him in, uh, it, it, it got worse. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but this is where he is right now, and, it, and it's, it's far away. Uh, I will say I'm incredibly impressed with the adjustments he's made at the plate, like to the point where now before – I was like, when he came up and he was just red hot, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, this guy's just connecting on things, but he swings wildly, and and eventually that's going to catch up to him. And it did. That he, that he was able to reset himself and make dramatic changes to what he's swinging at uh, has me pretty high on what he can be offensively. Now, can he fix the defense? I, I don't know. I don't know if that is uh, is possible or, or realistic. Uh, but I agree with you. I think the the injury to Madrigal is is kind of something that we just kind of overlooked here, and uh, along with uh, Swanson, uh, we don't know what's up with him yet. Uh, the The combo of those two, I think, really puts a ding in in everything we were just saying about like, well, let, let's let it play out. Like Patrick Wisdom looks rough right now, and and to the point where I'm wondering, like, can you roster this guy anymore? Like, is it time to find someone else? You have all these guys that you don't really know what they are from Jake Slaughter to Chase Strumpf to, you know, I don't know if those guys are, are ready for the big leagues or big league caliber, but uh, I mean, Patrick Wisdom has just been really rough and it, the, like the time off doesn't seem to have helped. And and essentially like you, you have Nick Madrigal there yesterday maybe you win that game, right? I, I'm not sure if there were any runners on third, less than one out situations that Wisdom came up not- in. Not for wisdom because Jared Young struck out, struck out. twice. Yeah, in front okay. of wisdom. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't. I I know. I I was following on my phone because I was traveling to New York yesterday, but uh, which was quite the game to follow on your phone. Let me tell you, like <laughs> that Jan Gomes home run. I was like about to turn it off. I'm like, okay, my flight's getting starting soon. I don't need to watch this nonsense. And then I was like, well, are you kidding me, Jan Gomes? Come on, this team is ridiculous right now. But. Um, yeah, I, it, it's tough. And, and Jared Young, you know, who knows? I, yeah, I don't think that's, I, you know, seems like a great dude. Awesome story to even get back to the big leagues. But maybe that's not working out if uh, if he's going to chase every high fastball that he sees. Uh, it's it, it's too bad. Like the both both of them were were nice stories, but part of that is you know sometimes these guys just and and I wouldn't be surprised if like they DFA wisdom and he goes on another another hot streak with some other team right that that's in the playoff hunt. Like he's totally that type of player. It's just can they be patient right now? They're they're kind of in like 
uh, we need help right now mode. Like it doesn't matter who the, who can help us right now is is the mode they're in because they're scrambling. And otherwise, like we've said all podcast, if it doesn't work, then that means it's sell. And and I, I don't think that clubhouse uh, would be. I, I think uh, there's some players in that clubhouse that that would not be thrilled with that situation. I think they really believe in this team, and uh, which I appreciate, but. Uh, you know, it, it's it's gonna it, it could be a weird situation in that clubhouse. I think there there are people that are just gonna be like, well, this isn't what I signed up for, type thing. Not that it'll be disrupt the clubhouse as much as people will just be like, this sucks, type thing. Yeah, I mean that that will be a fun story to cover, and I do think obviously all four of those games in Milwaukee, you know, the Cubs could have swept the series. They could have gotten swept. Uh, Dansby Swanson made the point, you know splitting a series on the road against a good team like there's something to be said for that no doubt but looking at Thursday's game like that's one where the complexion of it could have changed if the bottom of the order there just you know gets a couple hits avoids the strikeout like manufactures some runs and like that's what the Brewers are good at of like tilting those games and then kind of managing their way to the finish line and you know you look at you know Cubs fans Depending on your age bracket, you know, you either liked, you know, Ron Santo or you like Mark Grace at first base, Derek Lee, Ramos Ramirez, Rizzo and Bryant. Like this Cubs team at first base, third base and designated hitter, like there's just, you know, nothing against any of these individual players. But like as a group, there's not a lot of there there. And it's hard to like take this team as a legitimate playoff contender when you're just lacking so much production uh, in in so many areas like that. And that's where, you know, a lot of these games, that's why they've been in so many tight, close games. And, you know, just listening to Marcus Stroman yesterday explaining why he's not going to pitch in the All-Star game, totally understand the reasons. He's like, it's, it's been a lot. And you see Dansby Swanson sort of limping around the clubhouse before – yesterday's game and acknowledging like yeah sometimes it helps to get a couple days off you know we've been grinding every day there's been weird start times and scheduling stuff like the Cubs have expended just a ton of energy uh, and effort just trying to not get totally buried in the NL Central and you just wonder like how much they have left or like where this team goes if their best players you know slightly drop off and you know, it's going to be hard to I just just simply getting back to 500 will be uh, extremely difficult. And, you know, that's because they didn't. I, I think we have to do a whole podcast on that Miami, D.C. trip because like you just keep, you know, it's not just us people on the team, as you know, Saad, if like go back to that or that loss in Houston or I don't know, we could do a ranking of like, you know, top five worst losses. <laughs> but like. That's where it catches oh, up. I've, I've thought about That'll it. That'll be a good story. I've thought yeah. about it for yeah. the All Star <laughs> break. Go. Yeah, yeah. Who wants that content? <laughs> Who wants that content? <laughs> Let me tell you, you when I wrote it, it when I wrote it in two thousand <laughs> after the two thousand nineteen season, that was one of my most read pieces. <laughs> and so many comments like, "I don't know why I read this, but yes. I read every word, and I hate myself." And uh, Cubs fans uh, love to roll around in their misery, and, yes. like relive that is, the. That awful is a great moments. summation of Cubs fans: is that uh, they have that much interest in, like, no, no, no yeah. I want to know which is the worst loss, which one gutted me the most. Um, I will, uh, three things uh, I want to touch on. Uh, one thing that just to like. I, I have to give credit to the character of this team. I, I know it, it becomes cliche and a little annoying 
But last year, uh, so many of these moments, this team would be 15 games under 500 right now. We, we would have seen a 12-game losing streak. They won games they shouldn't have won. They won games uh, that they should have won, that they almost blew, and then that they, they somehow came back. That that tells me something about the team. It doesn't tell me that they're a playoff team or they're great or uh, this is a, a great Cubs team by any means. I'm just saying give them some credit for – for, for us to even be mentioning, like, maybe they shouldn't sell. Maybe they should stick with it. Maybe maybe there's something here uh, worthwhile uh, because there's there were so many times, so many moments where they could have and uh, a lot of other teams would have quit and, and just crumbled. Uh, three things to note here at the end. Um, one, you mentioned Dansby Swanson with the heel contusion. Um, hopefully not as bad as the one he had about four years ago with the Braves where he missed a month. It started out as like, oh, might be fine tomorrow, might be fine the next day. And then it's like, oh, okay, injured list. Oh, okay, actually, it's just not getting better. Um, so, uh, you know, it, just because it happened before, it, we don't know anything about the severity of this one. It doesn't mean that it'll happen again. But that would make the whole thing about Christopher Morell getting runway at third base uh, completely moot because he's he would have to play second base in that uh scenario yeah he looks pretty good at second base so at least but that's not his long-term spot if he's going to have one um second thing is the umpiring in that series was absolute crap Uh, i feel like i've got a little credibility to say that because i have not complained publicly about the umpiring in a long time i know that's fans always go to that they always think the umpires are against them etc etc i have not said that in months but i will say it about that series that the umpiring was terrible in every single game and every single game had something where i was like you are screwing the cubs which call which call is going to eat at you the most brett which one well you know what one it is is so there was a strike three call that was missed yesterday. Victor, Victor Caratini. Caratini. Yep. Okay. I knew that was what you were going to pick. And it, I mean, he struck him out. It yeah. ended the inning. He struck him out. It, Yelich should have never even been batting in that inning with runners on base to hit the three-run homer. Um, you get that call right, and the Cubs probably win that game. Now, again, I know that over the course of a season, you can do that a million times, pro and con, whatever. Um, but because this series was so crap from multiple of the umpires on this crew, not just bad calls behind the plate, completely missed calls in the field. That running lane one, the, the Miguel Amaya throw. What, what the hell are you looking at? That is the most obvious. It was pretty but, shocking outside. how messed up some of these calls are. But I mean, it, it, it happens. I can't, I'm not going to complain, but I get where, where you're coming from. So anyway. I, too, would have gotten myself booted uh, from from one of those games. And so that, that sucks, but it happens, but it sucks. And then the last thing is the draft. The draft starts this weekend. We haven't even talked about it, which I think is completely understandable in Cubs circles right now, why it's not the focus, because I think MLB made the improvident decision to put the draft at the all-star break right before the trade deadline when everyone is so focused on the season itself. I, I know that it's tough because of the nature of amateur seasons. It's tough to figure out a better time for the draft, but this I think was a mistake. Um, so it kind of gets uh, short shrift and with the Cubs picking 13th overall, it's not quite high enough to be like, Oh, you know, which of these four guys are they going to take? Um, so, but it's still obviously organizationally it's their Super Bowl. It's very, very important. Um, Cubs need to do very well. Uh, even if it doesn't manifest for years down the road, Uh, It's critically important. So hopefully it's a good weekend for the Cubs um, at the draft. 
and that's all I got. If you guys want to add anything else, um, I'll, I'll wrap this baby. Um, it's on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you and hope you have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the draft. Enjoy the Cubs taking it to the Yankees in New York City. Probably, maybe. You know, they basically never win Jameson Tyone starts. And they never win on Sundays. <laughs> and Saturday's game is Garrett Cole cool. starting. <laughs> so... It's a bit of a tough series. I'm going to leave you folks with that. Okay, why don't you just chew on that? Goodbye. We'll talk to you next week.